Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hunger for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground. And Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Aloha Kako. Thank you so much for joining us here on This Is Now Today. We take you now... We want to begin with a live look over Kauai, where our first alert weather team has declared a first alert weather day for the Garden Isle as the county remains under a flash flood warning that's in effect until 245. Hanalei Bridge remains closed due to flooding. And much more on the forecast in a bit. But first, in just the last hour, Maui officials have confirmed that the luxury yacht that ran aground at Honolulu Bay is now leaking fuel. The 94-foot vessel got stuck on the reef yesterday, and late last night, Maui County issued an emergency permit allowing special equipment to remove the yacht to prevent further damage to the reef and the ecosystem. Now, the extent of the leak is not known at this time. Jim Jones, the owner of Noilani Yacht Charters, told us that he was anchored offshore with his family over the weekend. Then, as they were getting ready to leave yesterday morning, something went wrong. While we're underneath the boat doing our pre-check, the mooring line broke. As we come out of the boat, it was too late. It was just a freak accident. We couldn't have done anything about this. And we're doing everything we possibly can to try to get off of here. Now we're in the process of gathering more information. Again, that luxury yacht at Honolulu Bay is now leaking fuel. Uh, in the process of talking with officials in the area, getting some details on the extent of the leak. Stay with us on air and online for any new information. Now back to the forecast. A lot happening on this first alert weather day. A brown water advisory now up for Oahu following yesterday's heavy rains. And a system is moving over Kauai. Here's Guy Hagi with more. Well, it's still going to be wet over on Koi. They've got some heavy rain flooding occurring from last night till this morning. And that's why we have issued a first alert weather day for Kauai. Now, for Oahu, we are under a flood watch. Just like Kauai, that means flooding conditions are possible. Not imminent, not occurring, but they're possible with everything, including the saturated ground and the very uh, damp conditions out there. It won't take a lot of rain for flooding to occur. In fact, when you take a look at the radar, you can see that big stormy Kona low that's near the west end of the state. And it's providing uh, generous amounts of rainfall to Kauai. And uh, they're, going, they're likely going to see rainfall throughout the day along with those cloudy skies and those brisk winds. Look at another line of heavy rainfall heading towards Poipu right now. And then here on Oahu, We've had a persistent amount of light scattered showers over the Koala mountain range. A drier for the leeward side right now, but there's more rain on the way for this afternoon. And also, it's going to be quite windy. Look at Kauai right now, and that's uh, just a sign of things to come. Kauai getting the strongest winds right now. But across the state, we'll get some very breezy east-southeasterly winds. So this is what we are expecting. Showers this morning, mostly cloudy skies, breezy winds, with more sunshine for Maui and for the corner side of Hawaii Island. And in the afternoon time, there's still a chance for a few thunderstorms, especially for Kauai, Oahu, and for the east side of Hawaii Island, out towards Puna and Pahoa. Even though they are not under a flood watch, that area of Hawaii Island could still get some heavy rainfall, and that could lead to flooding. 
Got it. Thank you so much, Guy. I got a couple questions for you. Sure. So the moisture and the rain that we are seeing today, is this a completely separate system from what we saw last week, or is this just the tail end lingering remnants from that? Uh, no, it's a totally different one. It's it's another Kona low. It's uh, very similar in nature in that it's also drawing up Kona winds to it, and it's bringing up that uh, moist tropical air, and all that rain is coming down from the south. So very similar, but very different. Got it. And in terms of, again, tonight, Oahu, last night we had some thunderstorms, but mm -hmm. are we, have we seen the most severe conditions pass us already, aside from our folks on Kauai, of course? Yes, I, I, think, I think that's the case. But we still got to leave open the possibility for more heavy rain here on Oahu throughout the day and to some extent into the early evening tonight. And there's a chance with the afternoon heating, we could see some thunderstorms fire up, but the threat is smaller than what it was uh, earlier this morning and yesterday. Got it. All right. Thank you so much for that forecast, sure. Guy. And be sure to download your H&N news and weather apps to keep an eye on the latest conditions in your neighborhood. The Honolulu police officer critically injured in an incident on the H3 remains hospitalized, but his condition is improving. Casey Lund has an update. And those three recent incidents that happened this month involving police officers being hurt, sometimes critically in the line of duty, got us uh, wondering what kind of organizations are out there working to support our law enforcement officers in Hawaii. And I'm here with Cheryl Ferrito. She is with two of those groups. Uh, first, the FBI Honolulu Citizens Academy Alumni Association, and then also uh, Light Hawaii Blue, yes. a really great campaign. I want you to talk a little bit about um, what those organizations do again to support police. Sure. The FBI Honolulu Citizens Academy uh, Alumni Association is separate and apart from the FBI, but we went through their Citizens Academy and we created an association to support all law enforcement. And what stemmed from there was the Light Hawaii Blue campaign. 2018, we started it, and it's to support and honor the fallen men and women of law enforcement. Um, enforcement, but also to support those that are actively patrolling and serving our communities. And we asked the community during that time to just support by putting a blue light bulb on their porch lights so the officers can see it as they're patrolling. We also asked them to wear blue and also share their good news stories because everyone's looking for some good news stories and tag us. We have an Instagram, Light Hawaii Blue, and a Facebook, Light Hawaii Blue. I want to ask you what that means to those officers. It means a lot to the officers. I've uh, had personal experiences with where they share their uh, appreciation and kind of like a, like a whew, they're out there supporting us because it is a tough job. You know, they're out there protecting us, community, our communities and without being, you know, told to do so, they want to do it because they want to protect and seeing the acknowledgement of all their hard work is really important to them. I think that the police department and law enforcement in general is constantly under really intense scrutiny by the media, by the public, and, and I think incidents like these where they're hurt gives us a reminder that they really are putting their lives on the line for us. Uh, I want to ask you about May, the month of May, and why that's significant for your group. Well, during the month of May, it's usually police week, but our association has decided to make it all month long, and that's where we do the ask to the community with the blue light bulbs and the blue attire and the good news stories. Uh, but when something like this happens where there's an incident throughout the year and there's like a, an anom anomaly of uh, unfortunate events towards police officers, we ask the community to go ahead and just do that now. Like even right now, it would be so, so supportive to our officers if we have those blue light bulbs out. Uh, just to show our support. So don't wait till May. Yeah. But May is around. usually the month where we have Aloha Tower in blue and we have Honolulu Holly in blue and any businesses. So if there's businesses out there that want to support as well, 
just go ahead and show your blue light bulbs at this time. Yeah. And we'll go ahead and get the information. Cheryl Farido, thank you. Farido, thank you for being with us today. We'll get that information for those organizations up on hawaiinewsnow.com if you'd like to get involved or learn more. Reporting at HPD headquarters on Baratania, I'm Casey Lund. For now, we'll send things back to you. The man who disrupted the opening session of the state legislature is making his initial court appearance today. Samson Souza faces a misdemeanor charge for disrespect of a House of the Legislature after he interrupted House Speaker Scott Psyche's opening remarks. During the incident, deputy sheriffs had to pull him away after he fell while hanging onto a banister. He was also then taken away in an ambulance after complaining he couldn't breathe. Samson is a known Native Hawaiian activist claiming to protect Makua Beach, but his alleged encounters with visitors have not always been friendly. He previously appeared in court on charges of harassment and terroristic threatening. In international news, a day after meeting with Ukraine's President Zelensky in Kyiv, President Biden is now in Poland meeting with leaders. Joining us with more on that is Hawaii News Now Washington correspondent John Decker. John, thank you so much for joining us, tracking everything that is happening with this administration and the White House. Now, uh, first off, you were at the uh, president's speech today uh, at Warsaw. Uh, what were some of the speech's themes and did any headlines emerge? Well, the main theme here that the president wanted to deliver is that NATO remains unified, NATO remains strong, and will remain strong in terms of opposing Russia and supporting Ukraine in the war that has been going on almost one full year since February the 24th of last year. The president pledged to continue providing that military equipment, that humanitarian aid to uh, Ukraine. And in addition to that, as far as news is concerned, he accused Russia of committing crimes against humanity. Uh, why is that? The president said that Russia continues to target civilian areas and residential neighborhoods. That is against international law. We'll see what the next step of the administration is formally in terms of pursuing those charges against leaders uh, representing the highest levels of the Russian government. Now, what else is on the president's agenda before leaving Warsaw? The president is meeting with what's known as the Bucharest Nine. Those are the nine NATO leaders representing countries in NATO on the eastern flank. The president wants to make certain that they know that NATO is fully committed to protecting those nine countries. Uh, the NATO charter dictates that an attack on one is an attack on all. That being said, those nine countries are very much concerned about Vladimir Putin taking the war beyond Ukraine and perhaps coming into the eastern flank of NATO. So the president also wanted to talk about what uh, the eastern part of NATO can expect as it relates to the weeks and months ahead. It's expected that Russia will launch a spring offensive against Ukraine, and the president wanted to make certain that all of the military necessities that Ukraine wants and needs gets to Ukraine through these nine countries. Now about Russia, uh, President Vladimir Putin had his State of the Nation address today. Uh, what did he have to say about the war in Ukraine? Well, he claimed falsely that Russia is winning the war against Ukraine. He also falsely claimed that it was the U.S., the West, NATO that started the war. That's what he's been telling uh, his people in Russia. And they get their news from Russian-controlled media. So they have no other source for uh, essentially the truth as it relates uh, to what's been happening in Ukraine. 
British intelligence estimates, by the way, Mark, that Russia has lost over 60,000 troops since the beginning of the war. And as far as news is concerned, uh, President Putin announcing that in response to the U.S. continuing to support Ukraine, Russia is going to suspend its involvement in the last nuclear arms treaty that exists between the U.S. and Russia. It's known as the New START Treaty. Uh, having said that, I spoke uh, a few hours ago with a very high-level individual who sits on the National Security Council for President Biden. He told me that Russia wasn't even complying with this particular treaty and was cheating on this treaty. Well, that's an informal response coming from the administration. We'll see what the formal response is to this action by uh, the Russian government in the days ahead. Now, all of these moves are just so fascinating and really just an interesting dynamic. Now, we've learned that uh, Chinese President, President Xi, will visit Moscow in the next few months. What is the purpose of that visit? What the Chinese government says is in the next few months, President Xi will visit Moscow. The purpose, according to the Chinese government, is to try to bring about a peaceful conclusion to the war. Uh, that sounds good on paper, uh, but there's a lot of skepticism in the Biden administration at the highest levels. Uh, I've learned that they honestly do not trust the Chinese, and for good reason. Uh, the Chinese have not proven themselves to be an honest broker, so they don't expect much to come out of this uh, particular effort. Uh, in fact, what they say is China, China's president, President Xi, is going to Moscow because they see Moscow losing this war, and they want to figure out a way out for Russia uh, as the losses mount for Russia, as the losses mount for President Putin as well. So much to keep an eye on, so much to track. Hawaii News Now White House correspondent John Decker, thank you so much. We always appreciate your time. Safe travels, John. Senator Maisie Hirono will be announcing her re-election bid today. The 75-year-old Democrat has been in the Senate since 2013, and if she wins the 2024 election, she'll get to serve another six years. She won her last election in 2018 by a landslide, getting about 70% of the votes. Senator Hirono joined Hawaii News Now on Sunrise this morning to talk about her bid and goals while in office. Here's some of what she said. There are always things that, that we need to do because the battles we thought we had won don't stay won. So whether it's a woman's right to choose, believe me, I would be fighting against any efforts to have a national abortion ban. And uh, I'm going to be fighting to make sure that Social Security and Medicare will be protected from any anything that the Republicans come up with, even if they try to run away from it. But they've talked about privatizing Social Security. They want to cut government services and the two biggest government programs, Medicare and Social Security, so I will fight those kinds of efforts. And we need to have the richest people and companies pay their fair share of taxes. So there's a lot to do, and I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm grateful that the people of Hawaii know that I'm on their side. I'm fighting for them. To watch the full interview, head to hawaiinewsnow.com. Happening now, the state's newest House representatives now officially sworn in. Former Kauai County Council member Luke Evslin is representing the Garden Isle, while Trish Lachico, who used to be in charge of housing for the city, will oversee District 37, which includes Mililani, Coal Ridge, and Waipio Gentry. They're appointed to step in for Ryan Yamane and James Tokioka, who now work in the governor's cabinet. Well, the Supreme Court is hearing back-to-back -back oral arguments this week in two pivotal cases that could reshape online speech and content moderation, and the outcome could have some wide-reaching impacts. For more on this, let's bring in now CNN's Chris Wynn from Washington, D.C. Chris, how's it going? 
Hey, good to be with you, Dylan. This marks the Supreme Court's first ever review of a hot button federal law that broadly protects websites and platforms from being sued over user generated content. And the outcome could have far reaching effects beyond big tech. At the Supreme Court, the battle over free expression online is coming to a head. The way the Internet works today may fundamentally change as a result of what the Supreme Court decides. This week, two cases are being heard, and the outcomes could determine whether tech platforms and social media companies can be sued for recommending content to their users or for supporting acts of international terrorism by hosting terrorist content. We have this very rare instance where... A lot of people in D.C. agree that something needs to be done. They haven't been able to meet that point where they can actually agree on the answer. At the heart of it all, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, a 27-year-old federal law that protects websites like Google, Twitter, and others from lawsuits over what their users post online. Some Democrats, including President Joe Biden, say it prevents tech giants from being held accountable for spreading misinformation and hate speech. But many Republicans allege that it gives big tech a license to censor conservative viewpoints. The Supreme Court's ruling exposes how vulnerable the Internet is to regulatory interventions and how at risk we are of being faced with a very different Internet. Some experts question if the justices are equipped to make a sound decision, partly because they don't use social media enough to fully understand it. It's a structural problem with Supreme Court that when they make legislative-like decisions, they don't have the expertise the legislature have, has, and they don't hear from all the people that might be affected. Potentially adding to an uncertain playbook over how to regulate online speech. The Supreme Court heard one case today against Google. They'll hear another case tomorrow involving Twitter. Uh, rulings in both cases are expected by the end of June. Reporting in Washington this afternoon, I'm Chris Wynn, Hawaii News Now. Dylan? Chris, thank you so much for that report. I've got a question for you. Uh, it's clear there is obviously a lot at stake here with these decisions. What are some of the routes that the Supreme Court could end up taking? Yeah, this really comes down to Section 230, the Communications Decency Act. Uh, the court could decide to leave it as is. They could potentially narrow the scope of that legal shield, or they could just get rid of it completely, which would then likely change how companies operate in order to avoid liability. Dylan? Got it. Thank you so much for this report, Chris. Uh, joining us from Washington, D.C., CNN's Chris Wynn. Nice to see you again. In efforts to be more eco-friendly, United Airlines announces it is opening a sustainable flight fund to boost sustainable aviation fuel production. It is starting with a $100 million investment from a number of corporate partners, and the carrier plans to use this money to support green fuel initiatives. The company said it will start displaying emissions estimates to customers who purchase tickets through the airline's website and will also provide the option for passengers to donate to the fund. Giving you guys one more live look outside. This is now Willy Willy over there on Kauai. As you can see, a lot of brown water happening as a result of all that rain and runoff. So if you see brown water, stay out of it. But again, we are tracking some severe weather for the western end of the state. Well, football season is over, but many in the entertainment industry still buzzing over Rihanna's spectacular halftime show. Of the near 300 dancers involved, three were from Hawaii and handpicked to join her on stage. In the middle of Rihanna's dazzling halftime spectacle, three Hawaii dancers in the opportunity of a lifetime 
Summer Waikiki, Sienna Lalao, and Desmond Sullivan, longtime friends that grew up on Oahu and all separately moved to LA for a career in dance. Tubo is like next level, definitely every dancer's dream job. The feelings and the emotions I had in that moment was actually really crazy because Super Bowl has always been one of my biggest dreams. If you believe it, you can do it. And that's like me and Sienna are perfect and Summer are perfect. Like we just believed in something. They've become young stars in a competitive industry and each got the big game call after previously working with Rihanna's choreographer and the months long preparation intense. I think it would be from like 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. Every day just going at it, going at it, going at it, trying to perfect this 13-minute show. Being on that stage and actually seeing the audience there and looking to the right and seeing Rihanna like on her platform, like the show's about to start. And on my in-ears, they're like 30 seconds and you can hear the intro to the halftime and like, ah! it's honestly incredible. An emotional mix of excitement, nerves, and chicken skin a show they've since rewatched hundreds of times. Being a part of the, the puzzle, you don't ever get to see how what's really going on because you're so focused on like doing your job. So it was really cool to like sit back at home and see all the shots and see all the camera angles. Watching the final product and knowing how hard we all worked and getting to experience the work ethic of all these other amazing dancers in these rehearsals and watching it come into fruition is, is crazy. Like. It really makes me emotional. Collectively, they've worked with popular names in music, Cardi B, J-Lo, Kanye West, and BTS. And more star-studded performances are ahead. And they've all shown they can shine on the biggest stage. Mark Carpenter, Hawaii News Now. Now to a story from the feeds out of a small town in Delaware where a mystery has some people puzzled. Now it appears someone stole a real British War of 1812 cannonball from a historic site and people don't know who would do this or why. Tim Furlong has the details. I don't know. Terrible. Everyone who passes by the historic Lewis Cannonball House now bummed out to learn the cannonball for which the house was named, it's gone. Until last Monday when a tour guide saw that it was missing, the six-pound cannonball that looks like this one had been lodged in that hole. The historical society now believes it was stolen. Well, I'm guessing my reaction is probably like everyone else. It's awful, you know, and hopefully it's recovered and returned. I mean, what are you going to do with it? Use it as a paperweight? During the War of 1812, the British docked their boats here off Lewis, and they offered to buy supplies from the locals at fair market value. But the locals here said, no way are we selling to the British. Not going to happen. And so the British decided they're just going to start hurling cannonballs into the town's homes and stores. Some of those cannonballs still exist. So two days of a bombardment, you had hundreds of cannonballs hitting the town. But that is one that was, um, yeah, did hit this building, did hit the cannonball house. The now missing cannonball wasn't lodged in there since 1813. A blacksmith welded it back to the foundation in the 1970s, but it's a real British cannonball. It would have taken some effort to pull it out of the wall, and police are also now trying to figure out who stole it and why. I'd love to come into work tomorrow and see it on our doorstep. The director of the Historical Society says the cannonball has lots of symbolic meaning for lots of history appreciating people here in southern Delaware, and they're hoping whomever took it drops it back off, even anonymously, at any one of their 14 historic sites in town. Morality is a dying art in society, so I hope they just do the right thing and we would, wouldn't ask any questions. Tim Furlong, NBC News, Lewis, Delaware.
All right, guys, it is time to check out some good news now. And Mark, do you know what today is? Oh, well, happy Fat Tuesday. Happy See Fat Tuesday. Take a look at this scene out of You're New right, Orleans. It is Mardi Gras. Oh, my God. Look at how much fun that is. Eric, we had the boxes of malasadas in the newsroom. Yes, I guess you, you know it's a special occasion. Yes, I'm sure many other workplaces across the state are also enjoying some malasadas today. But uh, this also signals the start of Ash Wednesday and the first day of Lent for many Christians. So uh, be prepared to make the sacrifices that you guys normally make during this time. So thank you so much all for watching us here on This Is Now. Mark is back first at 4 on KHNL. Have a great day, everyone. This podcast is sponsored by Kapili Solar Roofing, building peace of mind one roof at a time. Kids City Adventure, Hawaii's only indoor luxury playground, and Long's Drugs. Download the CVS app today and make Long's a part of your day. Pizza. Pizza? Pizza. Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha.